You're now listening to the Co-op Podcast on thecoalition.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Co-op Podcast, episode 220. I'm your host, Richard Billy Jr., and today I'm joined by Mr. Gary A. Swaby. How's it going, Gary? It's going good, man. How are you, Rich? Doing pretty good. Um, trying to recover from what has already started to become a very busy schedule with all these game releases. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. I have, a, I have a lot of catching up to do myself and a lot of games to buy. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, we're also joined by Mr. Jake James Lugo. How's it going, Mr. Lugo? I'm doing good, guys. I'm hanging out. I've been busy playing Destiny 2, doing the review, playing a whole bunch of other games for review. It's been pretty nuts, especially after the hurricane stuff. Not like, what was it, about a week and change ago. So I'm back in business, uh, and again, I'm ready to talk some games. Absolutely. Sounds good. And I want to give a special shout out to Hurricane Irma because that caused me power outages multiple times this week. So very glad that that's over with. Um, but uh, yeah, it's all good. Uh, we will not be joined by Mr. Max Muller today or Miss Dana Abercrombie because they both have some other things going on. I believe that Max is, you know, he had to do something else for work. And Dana is actually at another event. So we'll look forward to having them on the next show. And they can give us some updates on what they've been up to. But uh, we do have a couple of topics to get into this week. Some of the topics are going to be rather controversial. So I wanted to give people a little bit of a disclaimer ahead of time. But it's going to be very good conversations. Uh, But before we do that, we're going to let you all know what we have been playing. So, Mr. Lugo, how about you start us off and let us know what you've been playing? Uh, yeah, most of the time I've just been playing a lot of Destiny 2. I also did a review for Metroid Samus Returns, which you can find on the website now. Uh, again, both great games in their own right, you know, doing different stuff. That's very interesting that a lot of people are going to enjoy. If you haven't already picked up Destiny 2 for your PlayStation or your Xbox right now, I really suggest you do because now's the time to dive into it. Again, there's a lot of content that's already out already. And even more stuff that's coming down the line that's just people are going to really enjoy. The same thing also is said for Samus Returns. Like, again, that's another game that on 3DS that, again, it's a true return to the roots of Metroid. And it just offers a lot of good stuff. Again, for people that are fans of the franchise that wanted something different besides the Prime games or just want another last hurrah for your 3DS. So I highly recommend that you guys check out my review of Metroid Summer's Returns. Again, my Destiny 2 review, we originally couldn't try to get it up yesterday or at least earlier this week, but there's a lot to unpack in this game. There's a lot of different stuff that I wanted to comment on and make sure that I touched upon uh, in the review. So definitely look for it tomorrow as of the recording of this co-op podcast. Again, we're recording on Sunday. Should be up in the morning around Monday. So definitely look forward to that. But that's what I've been playing. That's really what I've been spending a lot of my time with. I got a question about Destiny 2. Um, so how how does the raid compare to some of the raids in the previous game? This is the biggest raid that's been implemented into Destiny or Destiny 2 to date. It is not only the size as far as location, if not bigger than what was in the Dreadnought in uh, Destiny 1, 
But the thing that really makes this one interesting is that it has so many intricate secrets and things you could discover, shortcuts, and all these other little details that you could get lost in. A crazy story. I was actually playing uh, the raid with a couple different people from various websites, including some people from Kotaku, some people from IGN and GameSpot. And we were all working together to get through the raid. And some sections that some of us had played previously had went through a specific way. We discovered alternate paths and like shortcuts to go and explore different areas of the actual leviathan and it was cool discovering all that like that those are the moments that make destiny 2 really interesting those are the moments that i feel like uh it's going to be unique for everybody depending on what goes on and stuff so this raid is pretty big and it's really meaty and it takes a long time don't get me wrong and a lot of people have commented also i should say uh that sometimes the rewards aren't always matched up to the time that you spend with it but it's really the moments that you have when you're playing with people uh during the raid that really kind of make it worth it grant if people are going to play the raid multiple times over and over again and sometimes it could feel a little bit like a chore but that's always been the kind of uh way that you go about destiny the way that it's you know the experience is presented in the package and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing it's more again the moments you make with your friends that you're actually playing it with that's good to hear you know yeah i've i've heard that uh yeah the raid definitely takes a while to get through um I'm looking forward to it because I know the end game. That's something that a lot of people look forward to with Destiny. I know a lot of people have already finished the story mode. I did get a little bit further in the story, but uh, I, you know, I did have a power outage while I was playing. So after that, I decided, well, let me just take a break from Destiny for a while, make sure everything else is stable, then I'll go back to it. But glad to hear that uh, the raid is good, challenging. I look forward to trying out at some point in time. But, uh, Sounds good. So, uh, Gary, how about you let us know what you've been playing? Um, nothing new this week. Just the same old stuff as last week. Of course, Overwatch, Persona 5, and um, Uncharted The Lost Legacy. Uh, those are pretty much the only games that I've been playing. Um, and I think I'm like kind of changing a little bit. Like My, my gaming habits are changing. Because um, I'm not like... I'm not like before when I used to buy every new game that comes out and um, like I was thinking with Destiny when Destiny came out like I thought I was gonna feel the pressure to buy it and then like just give in and buy it right away like how I used to be with Call of Duty like whenever a new one comes out just buy it straight away and play with everybody while everyone's playing it but um, I haven't given in to any of that pressure so far this year and I've just been like kind of um, enjoying the games that I am playing and just playing at my own kind of pace. So I think I'm just at a point where my gaming habits have changed slightly. Um, it might be part of maturing and getting older, I don't know. But um, yeah, I, like obviously it changes. If, if I get a review, then I have to like play what's new and everything. And I, I expect to review a lot of games next month because next month is going to be a huge month and i think i might give in to the pressure on some games that come out next month because you have the new assassin's creed coming out and of course uh, they took a break they took a break for a whole year so like i kind of want like an assassin's creed right now so i'm probably going to give in when that comes out and there's a lot of other awesome games coming out um next month so uh, that's definitely going to put the pressure to the test i think so we'll see if my habits change but there's still a lot of games that came out earlier this year that I still want to play so I I kind of don't want to rush 
to get the new newer games. But um, yeah, we'll wait and see what happens. Absolutely, and I'll just add very quickly that I understand what you're saying, Gary. When uh, it's very hard to uh, try and pick up every game, um, but you know, it, 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 as far as Destiny Two is concerned, uh, I believe uh, if I ever have an opportunity to talk to Activision, I will tell them that you know they need to make sure that they put some Overwatch stuff in Destiny Two because then that will make you purchase <laughs> it almost it, immediately. So. Um, I think, it, I think it would be a great idea. It would be a great idea for them to do some cross promotion with Overwatch. I think, especially since um, Destiny's coming out on uh, the the Blizzard Net app on PC, so it makes sense. That's true. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, that's good. We'll, we look forward to uh, all the games coming up next month. It's going to be very busy, but uh, looking forward to it. Um, so as for what I have been playing, as I've already mentioned, I did play some more of the Destiny 2 campaign. I still think the game is great uh, up until this point. Story is 20 times better than it was with the first game. Um, the leveling up is, is I don't really have any issues with the grinding, nothing, nothing as of yet. Um, so, so far I have to give Activision and, and Bungie a thumbs up. They've made a fantastic game so far. Um, I'm looking forward to getting to the actually finishing the game and, you know, trying out the raid. So uh, maybe I'll get to do that at some point. No time soon, but eventually we'll, we'll look into that. Um, I've also been playing NBA 2K18. And, uh, you know, I wanted to play this game because, you know, I'm a huge NBA 2K fan. I was hoping going into this game, you know, it was going to be some different stuff. And, yeah, there is some different stuff this year. You know, they have their uh, My Career Mode which I dived into very briefly um, because they had a prelude demo that came out, I think it was about maybe two weeks ago, that you was able to try try out and you pretty much create your player and, you know, now you can import that into when you actually buy the finish, the full full game. So, so far, my career is, is I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty good so far. You know, pretty much you're undrafted uh, a basketball player and you actually get signed to whatever team you select as your favorite team. And from there, um, pretty much it just is you go through the motions, you get to see how it is to be on the team, you know, to be to be. Uh, of course, as the rookie, you do experience some hazing, as you would expect in any fraternity, so on and so forth. But, yeah, you get to go through the neighborhood, you know, you get a haircut, buy sneakers, play in different pickup games, and eventually you get to play an NBA game. Now, I'm not too far into the, my career because I wanted to just get a feel for it, but it's a good game so far. Um, I'll, I'll definitely have more to say on it, I think, by next week because I'll have more time with it. Uh, one thing I will say, though, I did also play in that particular game the uh, My GM mode. And what they did this year with that mode is that they pretty much have you, you pretty much start out as a player that was injured uh, back in the conference finals about six years ago. And then it fast forwards to today where well it was a career ending injury but it fast forwards to today where now you're running an organization and pretty much as the gm you know i go through a lot of you go through a lot of stuff a lot of ridiculous stuff like the owner of the team having financial issues and then you gotta worry about dealing with the media because the media has a lot of judgments they hear a lot of rumors so they throw you into the cycle with all this other type of stuff um and you have a very hands-on approach with everything in terms of having conversations with players that 
whether whether or not they actually whether are they are they going to get traded you can tell them no but then the trade could still happen and it makes you look bad so they have a lot of interesting things going on in that mode so far um i'm very curious to see if any of that translates over to the wwe 2k game because it is the same publisher not the same developer but they do work hand in hand on a couple of different things so We'll see how that goes. But so far, I can say I'm enjoying NBA 2K18. It's a great game. You know, if you're a basketball fan, you should pick it up. But you probably already picked it up. Um, as for NBA Live 18, nah, son, that's a thumbs down. Stick to NBA 2K18 for now. That's what I would say. <laughs> but that's just my opinion. Uh, and lastly, I did get a brief period of time to play with Project Cars 2. Um I know that when, uh, I believe, yeah, Mr. Lugo and, and Gary, both of you guys went to a Bandai Namco appointment. And I believe that the guy at that appointment, the representative, was talking trash about Forza and uh, Gran Turismo, saying that, you know, Project Cars 2 was way better. Yeah, um, he was he was talking a lot of smack at one point. And, and it was all in funny games and stuff, but they were obviously very passionate about how they felt, you know, with the way they presented the the racing and the, just the driving and a lot of the little details in Project Cars too. Okay, see. So what i played so far, the, the game is okay. I haven't really dived deep into the career mode quite yet uh, because I just got the game Friday night, late Friday night. So I didn't have a lot of time to really play it just yet. Um, that we'll have a review on it in the future, hopefully sometime this week before the launch. But again, I was sent the game very late, so I don't know how soon I'll have that review done. But what I can say so far, based on playing this, based on playing Forza as well, the game is okay. I'm not really yet sold on it being better than these other games quite yet. But again, I haven't spent a lot of time with it. But I can say it looks great. It looks fantastic. Um, the control, the driving the cars, yes, you have a lot of control of the vehicles and, you know, it very sensitive with the turns. You know, if you, you turn, you don't, you don't really make a turn properly. Yes, just, you're not going to get it and you're going to struggle in, in the races. But so far, it's, it's a good game. I just don't know if I'm going to say it's, it's better than the other games quite yet. But again, I'll have more to say on that soon. Uh, cause I, I do need to spend more time with it. But, uh, you, you had a question, uh, Garrett? Yeah. Yeah, because I know, like, me and you have played um, The Crew 2, which I believe is coming out soon as well. Um, and I know they're kind of different in terms of um, the type of racing game they are, but um, I know that Project Cars 2 is probably, you know, more superior in terms of the technology and everything, but is it as fun as The Crew 2 to play? That is a very good question. You know what? Honestly, it, it's not. Because with the crew too, at least you can switch between different vehicles you're using. At one point, you I mean you could be using a boat, then you could switch to a car, then you could switch to a, 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 a like like an airplane. So I I think in those regards, it, there's no comparison at all. Um, I think the crew is more like a it is a racing game, but I guess it's kind of an adventure. I know they have like a story mode in there too, but when I played it at a patch. I didn't get to play any of the single player story stuff. It was just the races. Um, but it, in my honest opinion, yeah, Project Cars 2 may be a good game based on what I played so far, but this is not, this is nothing like the Crew 2. The Crew 2 is really fun, really great experience. And then the seamless switching between different things makes it even more interesting, also. 
but yeah, I think the crew too is, is fantastic. Looking forward to seeing more from that game because it's not coming out until March next year. But uh, Project Cars 2, I do need to spend some more time with it. I don't want the fans of Project Cars 2 to be angry because I said it's good, but it doesn't feel like it's that great. So I need to spend more time with it. But I will say say more on it later. I would say later this week, definitely by the next show, I'll have more to say on Project Cars. And But I understand some people have concerns. Well, is this a game that I should pick up? I would say right now, I, I can't really tell you for sure yet. You know, obviously, if you enjoyed the first Project Cars really, really much, like a lot, then maybe you do want to pick up the sequel. Um, but I haven't really seen enough yet to say this is a must-own game. Um, but we'll, we'll revisit this conversation again very soon. I, I'll say that much. But yes, that's a good, good, good question, Gary, because... I enjoyed the crew too a hell of a lot more than, than I enjoyed uh, than I'm enjoying Project Cars too right now, um, but it's my opinion. All right, so uh, that pretty much concludes what we have been planned for this week. So uh, we're going to go ahead and jump into a couple of topics. Uh, some of these topics, as I've already said, uh, very very uh, interesting things that impact the industry so we definitely want to address them because I'm pretty sure we all have some opinions on the matter uh, the first topic this week uh, is about Lawbreakers uh, Gary's favorite game at E3 2017 you know they, they gave him a t-shirt all types of swag when we went to the appointment you know the lady also said hey you know she tried to give him her number too so yeah I think uh, they really was impressed with you Gary But well, um, I must have missed that Oh yeah, I know. I I, I I saw everything, man. I see everything. <laughs> but uh, on to what's going on with Lawbreakers. Obviously, Cliff Blazinski came out this week and made a couple of, of statements in regards to the fact that the game has not been doing well on PC. Um, they did say it's doing well on PS4. I haven't seen any data released or any information to support that theory at all. Um, but what he did say is that he was going to, he, he maybe needs to take a step back and be less of a dick. His words, not mine, just to draw people into the game. Because um, I do know that he is a little bit of a cocky nature to himself in, in terms of with the game also. I do have something to say about Lawbreakers, but I just wanted to get you guys' opinions first and foremost on what he said about the game and... uh whether or not you're surprised of what's happening with the game, and do you think that he's going to be able to get the game back on track and successful for everyone else? So, uh, you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead, Gary. Yeah. Um, first of all, I just want to say, like Cliffy B, he's a cool guy and everything. Um, he's done amazing work in the industry. Of course, you know he was a big part of Gears of War and everything. But um, he does come across as a really arrogant person. And like I said on, you know, an earlier podcast before, um, Lawbreakers felt like it was more about Cliffy B than the game itself. And that I think that was a big part of the problem here. Um, I remember at E3 when we was lining up to, to play Lawbreakers, um, Cliffy B actually, like he came up on the, uh, he came to the booth and like, he was right in front of where I was lining up for the PC version. He was like taking pictures and, you know, all that stuff. And he just came across as like a really kind of um, arrogant and, you know, a, well, 
I wouldn't say people pleasing person, but like, you know, he, he was feeling himself a lot, basically. Like, you know, like he, he likes the attention and everything. So I think that's a lot of the problem here. And it's good that he's realizing that as well. Um, which, you know, is clear in his statements and everything. And, um, I think he just needs to kind of tone it down a little bit and focus on the game because there's also a statement in this article that we found where he says um, it was a mistake not including team deathmatch in in the game as well. So like, how are you like, I I don't understand how you could miss like a major mode like that uh, in the launch of your game. Like that should have been their day one. And, you know, this shouldn't be something that you're bringing up now. Like, it's something that should have been in the game. You're competing with Overwatch and a lot of other, like, top FPS games on the market right now. Um, and, you know, of course, w- this game was released in... Um, did it come out August or July? I can't remember. Yeah, August. Uh, uh, August. August. Yeah. yeah, August. August. Yeah, so you've got Overwatch. You've got another Quake coming. Um, and, of course, like, August is right before September. So Destiny, you know... You're competing with a lot of top multiplayer shooters. So, like, yeah, I think he, he, he did kind of kill the mood of Lawbreakers by, um, you know, being so arrogant and putting himself out there more than the actual game itself. Cause there was like a long period where I didn't even really fully understand what Lawbreakers was. Like I watched videos and stuff, of course, but. It felt like the the attention was more on Cliffy B making the game than the actual game itself, and it felt like that the entire time. So, yeah, um, I'm glad that he's realized that now, and hopefully he's learned something from it. Um, I don't remember it being like this when Gears of War came out, so I'm not sure how this came to be a problem with this game. But yeah, um, I'm just glad that he he understands where the game went wrong because. The sales have been abysmal on PC. Um, of course, we don't know the numbers for, for PS4, but yeah, um, it's it's been embarrassing on the PC. I gotta say. Hey, it, it, this stuff happens. Uh, I, I do have some things to say. First and foremost, Mr. Lugo, do you have any thoughts on this particular topic? Yeah, I have a couple thoughts on it, and I mean, it's gonna sound a little bit shitty, so I do apologize in advance, but. I, I will say, coming out and saying that you got to be less of a dick to draw in players to check out your game, that should be a non-talking point. That should go without say, just in general. I think that sometimes, not just developers or publishers or people that get associated, there, or at least their names get associated with a particular game and it's put out in the spotlight, especially when they have a reputation and stuff, that should be uh, done without being said. I, I don't think that should be come to a point where it should become a problem that needs to be addressed. Because you shouldn't be a dick to anybody. You shouldn't be a dick to anybody in general, whether it's on social media or in person. And I'm kind of like Gary uh, in the sense where for a long time, I really didn't understand. Uh, it's not like I didn't know about Lawbreakers, but I didn't understand what the game was or what it was trying to do in an environment like what he mentioned, when you have so many multiplayer online shooters or shooters that are multiplayer that have a, a lot of attention on them that uh, really uh, need a lot of devotion of time put into them to really get into the meat and really get into the uh, the, the community and the, and the craziness of like what those games could become like Destiny 2 for example since that's the most recent one to come out uh, I don't think that you're going to want to have a lot of stuff 
uh, at least what he mentioned between the team deathmatch stuff and even his own, you know, celebrity status, if you want to call it that, really become a hindrance as far as like getting people excited about the game. Because I checked out of Lawbreakers a long time ago. I remember us going to events to not only E3, but also to like PAX and stuff and even PSX, I believe, uh, where Lawbreakers was there. And I was like, I didn't care about going to go see the game, not because I didn't dislike it or at least not because I disliked the game in any fashion, but I really didn't understand like, what is it exactly this game was trying to do? Who was it trying to really appeal to? What was it doing that was different than most of the other games that were already popular at the time? As well as also, there was no big draw for me, you know, at least, you know, as an individual, as a gamer, not even as someone that's like a games media person, uh, there was nothing there for me. And all this stuff. And again, the fact that that's a news story just turns me off a little bit more and does, again, it already takes my, my care level that's already so low and just again makes it pretty much flatline because why at that point you know if if you hear like again someone that's behind the development of a game is acting like a jerk or or is acting like a dick for whatever reason why at that point would you want to go check out their game if you're a person that knows nothing about lawbreakers knows nothing else about the industry and is not really checked in or tuned into what's going on i mean what's the problem I mean, the thing is, it's like, why even bother with that? Or why make that into an issue? I mean, I wasn't there, or uh, was it when Gary saw, you know, stuff that was going on with Lawbreakers, or at least with Cliff Blazinski, Cliff Blazinski, because I've met him, at least, you know, before, and he doesn't seem like a bad guy. But again, this doesn't make me any more excited about Lawbreakers. This doesn't entice me to go check out the game, especially now at this point in time, when we have games like Destiny 2, when we have games like Overwatch that are already giving so much content, and I already have so much time invested into them. Do I want to take on another game that's going to at least demand that quality amount of time that's very similar to those two? Very good points all around. Gary, you was about to make, make another statement. Oh, no, not really. Like, you know, JJ just kind of summarized everything, you know, that I wanted to say. So you go ahead. Oh, yeah. So the only thing that I was going to say about the situation is to go back to when we was actually at E3 and we saw Lawbreakers. Yeah, the whole thing about Cliffy B being arrogant. Yeah, we, 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 we saw that in full display. I do recall a situation where I was waiting in line to start up, saw Cliffy B, and then there was some other, there was like a lot of independent sites that were also there. There was some independent uh, journalists went up to him asking him for an interview. And Cliffy B straight up said, no, I only interview with big sites. So I was, wait, I'm like, that wait, was wait, hold up, back up, back up for a second. That's exactly what he said? Or like, you know, verbatim or like, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he, actually, he actually referenced the site. I think it was GameSpot. Uh, he said GameSpot or now- another site. Now, if that was the wow. case, again, I'm going on your word, okay? And yeah. I have a, you know, you know, personally for me, I have strong feelings about stuff like that. But it's crazy now that we're in a day and age, especially within our industry, where people will blow up over like the littlest things, like a game, like a game being delayed or something not being included in a game or a certain feature that, or, or whatever else that developer or a developer got something wrong. And people will blow up about that, but nobody would have a problem with that. Now, I understand people's time is very precious there's a lot going on especially during e3 because it's it's wartime for everybody at e3 everybody's on the move everybody has stuff to do but to me that's a terrible attitude at that point and that should have been addressed with him a long time ago maybe he shouldn't be like that and maybe more people like smaller sites would actually go cover his game and actually everybody like ourselves would know what his game is like if there was a little bit more humbleness there 
because again i'm only going on what you said because i haven't seen other stuff put around like that but that's a really shitty attitude and nobody should have that nobody should have to go through that because i've been in that position where i've been told something like that or have been given that type of energy and it's not cool not just because i'm a games media person but just as a human being in general but i digress no, that's a very good point. It, the, the thing is, it, it, it just you know the the, the the delivery of of how he was he was talking and he said it. it was just that you know he would make time for those other sites. You know, not so much the the person that was interested in the interview. Um, so maybe he didn't quite say no. I'm not going to do it because I want to go with Gamespot. But he he did mention about some other publications that he would definitely I mean it's interview. one thing to say it's one thing to say like hey I got to go do something with GameSpot or whatever yeah. else or other big website that's one thing but like at that point if you have a game come out or at least you know you got a big AAA game or whatever you want everybody talking about your game like if I was in his position what yeah. would it have cost to give the guy like 5 minutes or 10 minutes like not even like that. granted again it's E3 the point is you want everybody having eyes on your game I don't think at that point you need to be picky and choosy even people let me put it this way even people like when I went to Washington to go check out Bungie and to go play Destiny 2 and stuff before even all that before any of that stuff was going on you saw people at Bungie like Luke Smith and other people that were part of that whole team wanting people to come play Destiny 2 they were talking to everybody and granted that's Bungie everybody knows who Bungie is because of their pedigree and their backlog of stuff that they've done but that's a difference in attitude there again they have a big game coming out they want everybody checking out their game they want a good vibe around their game i don't think you want to be like that or you want to be like randy pitchford or a lot of other people that just have this terrible attitude like that absolutely absolutely yeah again independent the uh, publisher I, I i would expect them to want everybody to, to cover the game so i don't know what's going on with that uh, what, what I will say, though, in terms of the game itself, I know when I got a chance to play it, I wasn't really impressed with the game because, as I've said on other shows, it feels like a lot of the mechanics with the whole gravity-defying, jumping up in the air, running off the wall, all that stuff I've already seen in games like Call of Duty, Titanfall, etc. So I didn't feel that there was really anything that was new brought to the table. To know that they launched the game and they didn't have the team deathmatch, that also was a bad decision. But that also lets me know this has been an issue so far this generation. There's a, a quite a bit of games that have released with little to no content. And then you have updates later where people are adding stuff in there later. And I don't like that either because, uh, you know, if someone pays full price for a game, then... I, they should be getting their money's worth. Now, in this case, Lawbreakers is not a full price game. But still, a team deathmatch, I think that should have definitely been in there. That's a bad mistake to not have that in there. Uh, I did. I also know that he mentioned in that interview, uh, they made that decision to release close to Destiny 2. So they kind of think that that was also a bad decision. Uh, Destiny 2 was a month later, so it's they still got out before Destiny 2 was a huge thing. But uh, I don't know. Uh, do I think that he could save the game? I don't think he's going to be able to save it on PC. I mean, obviously, there are games that have released and they were saved. But the whole thing is that there are too many other titles coming out over the next couple of, of weeks and months that people are going to want to play more. Now, in terms of the multiplayer stuff, like we already mentioned, Destiny 2 is out on consoles. It'll be out on PC in October. Then you have Call of Duty coming up right after that. And then you have Battlefront coming up right after that. So I don't think that they're going to get this game to a point where maybe it will do a little bit better. Uh, maybe. 
a little bit better than what it was on launch, but I, it definitely is not something that's going to be saved, I think, in the long run. It, it's good that I guess he came out and acknowledged that I guess that he um, he went about things the wrong way. That's fine if you want to acknowledge that, but uh, hopefully my goal is that he learns something from this experience as well as the team. Um, and one last thing I will add is I also didn't like the fact how when they announced this game initially, it was coming to everything, Xbox, PlayStation 4, and then PC. And then, you know, as they got closer to ramping up, they said, well, we're not going to be able to release the Xbox One version because, you know, we need to focus on making sure the people are getting paid on the team. I, I totally understand that, but I, under- I don't understand why Xbox One version was even announced in the very beginning. You should have just said, just don't announce what it's coming to quite yet. Just say it's coming in the future. Uh, and we'll have more information when we have more details. But they decided to say it is coming to Xbox and then went back and said, well, now I don't know if it's coming to Xbox. So I don't know if that would have made a difference for them um, releasing that game. If it would have done well on Xbox, I think it could have done better on Xbox because there are no games really on Xbox at the moment. No real, you know, major, major games, at least not for a couple of weeks. You know, you got Cuphead coming out. You have Forza coming out. But there isn't really anything right now that anybody's playing on Xbox unless they're playing the third-party game that is also on PS4 or PC. So, I don't know. I just think um, it's unfortunate what happened with Lawbreakers. But you know what? I have to give Cliffy Cliffy B credit for breaking his own law and talking about how arrogant he was to try and repair the overall image of the actual game now. But I think it's too late. Um... But with that said, Gary, uh, are you now planning on um, supporting Cliffy B in the good fight and picking up the game on PC, or is this a, a hell no? <laughs> uh, it's 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 a hell no for me. But um, you know, I do want to see him do do good. I want to see him do better. Um, and I believe that this has humbled him. And hopefully, you know, whenever he works on another game, he'll approach it, you know, in a different way that'll be more beneficial to him um and just to bounce off of what you were saying um it was a big oversight not to release it on the xbox because you know you're dealing with a platform that's known for shooters like the the xbox community loves shooters you know online shooters and stuff so they probably would have you know uh, adopted it and um it would have boosted up the numbers of the game significantly um if they would have you know released it and that along with not putting in the the team deathmatch mode um at launch you know i think those are two big oversights um and some people will say that you know overwatch only very recently added a team deathmatch mode but the difference is that um overwatch was so innovative in its approach to you know the gameplay that they they were able to release without, you know, having deathmatch modes because the gameplay doesn't just hinge itself upon getting kills. You know, it's a, it's a lot deeper than that. Um, it's about organizing with your team and everything. When I played um, Lawbreakers, it was more kill focused. So you can't leave out, you know, um, a match like team deathmatch and expect it to be okay. Because so yeah, those were two big mistakes that Cliffy B made and. Hopefully this has humbled him. I think it has humbled him and that's why he's able to, you know, admit that um, he was a dick and, you know, he's saving face now. So 
um, I think he's learned a lot and hopefully that will better him for the future yeah very good points I, I hope it does better him for the future uh, but as for lawbreakers I, I don't think that's I, 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 you know, I, I could be, I could be wrong. There could be a lot of people that start playing the game all of a sudden, maybe uh, a month or maybe a couple of weeks from now, and then they, and then it, it picks up again. But I, I think it's, it's, it's too many, it's too many other games coming out. Not necessarily, and again, I know these other games are not all shooters, but there's too many games coming out that are going to demand people's attention, and they may not want to really jump into Lawbreakers. When I saw it, as I already said, I wasn't really that impressed with the game. Uh, based on what I played, but some for those that are impressed, definitely play the game and support it. But do I think it's going to get better? Yeah, they may have better plans to add other things to the game that should have been in there. But will that be enough to get people back into it? I have no idea, and I don't think it will be because there's going to be too many other games out there. But again, just my opinion. Uh, so, any final thoughts on this topic before we move on to the next? Oh no! I want to go in on this next topic. Oh, 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 oh! All right, so uh, yes, be prepared, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very serious discussion because I, I'm pretty sure people have been asking what we felt about the situation. So we need to talk a little bit about this PewDiePie situation. I'm gonna let you start off, JJ, because again, you said you have a lot to say, and pretty sure Gary and I will have something to say afterwards. Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't think we should dwell too, too long on it because a lot of what's already been said is pretty much the same thing from multiple different places because it's kind of freaking obvious. It's common sense in a lot of stuff. But I have a lot of strong feelings about what's been going on with PewDiePie and him saying the N-word on stream. And uh, the reason why we bring this up, it's not necessarily gaming-specific news, but it is related to gaming culture, and it is important because I think not only it's it said something not just about him, which should be condemned. He was a real idiot for coming out and just blatantly, just randomly just blurting that out in a moment of a... I guess you could call it a little bit of a Freudian slip or, or just a moment of frustration during the game because he's playing PUBG. If you're not really caught up, if you haven't been on the internet looking at this stuff lately over the last week or so, basically PewDiePie came out and said the N-word when he was playing uh, uh, Players uh, Players Unknown Battlegrounds, and uh, he just dropped it like that, just a hard R, just not even, not even you know, considerate to what was going on. He just dropped it like that, and... It, it, it said, it's a really messed up thing because it just shows that because he did it so loosely and he realized what he said and he kind of tried to backtrack a little bit. The problem is, though, is that it sounds like he says this on a, as a common thing, you know, off camera or whatever else, just uses that loosely. And the reason why I think it's a little bit more important than what people are making it out to be just besides him is because... It, it, it comes to show you now these days over this year or the, like the last few years and such within our culture of gaming, you know, or the gaming community, the gaming industry is that there's a large section of people that think that that type of rhetoric is okay to be common with. It's it, that it's okay that even though they feel like they don't mean it in the way that they're being racist towards black people or African-Americans or people of color, whatever else, that it's okay to just be like that and to be excused with it. And let alone someone like PewDiePie in his position that has over 50-something million subscribers on his channel, a lot of eyes on his channel, a lot of young eyes, people that are uh, very, very young in some regard, that they think that it's okay to be like that, that it's okay 
to, 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 to loosely throw around words like that. Not even, even though they understand the meaning of it, but not understanding the true meaning and why it's so bad to be like that. Because let's be real for a second. I, number one, from day one, when a lot of this stuff that was going on with him, with the whole Nazi imagery thing, when he was doing that with some of his playthroughs and some of his videos and such, I was never down with that. I was one of the very few people that was very outspoken to be like, yo, this is not cool whatsoever it doesn't matter the context it doesn't matter the reasoning behind it there's a million and one different ways that you can go about making a point about something without having to go through such a, or go to such an extreme whether it's uh being uh putting out jokes or putting out rhetoric or or, or statements that are anti-semitic using imagery that's not related to nazis or white supremacy and stuff because not only does it empower some of those people that feel that way because you're on such a big platform or you are such a big platform and you have a responsibility to use it better and more responsible while you're actually putting yourself out there because there's so many eyes on you but it's kind of messed up that sometimes it takes multiple times for these people or someone like PewDiePie to really understand that and i feel like a lot of people, if not the entire internet and the entire community or gaming scene has really given more chances than he really deserves because it, it, it's it's amazing to me how even now, like here's a perfect example, right? After all this went down earlier this week or last week, I should say, uh, he almost did it again on a stream. Like he caught himself, but it was like, yo, son, like... You shouldn't even joke about that or even make light about that. You should, at that point, already as the second time that you're caught in the spotlight and you were so gung-ho and the internet was so behind you about how all the media was coming after you about something involving Nazi imagery and whatever else that was related with your videos that got you the loss of your Disney slash Polaris partnership and YouTube acting the way they are with you. You should be on your P's and Q's to not let something like that happen again. Shouldn't have happened the second time, but you shouldn't even be getting to that point where you're about to slip up for a third. And it makes me on the outside looking in because, again, I'm not a PewDiePie fan. I don't watch his videos on the regular. I understand people's reasoning saying that it's that type of humor and stuff, but I don't think that's an excuse. I hear more crappy excuses for stuff like this amongst a lot of big gaming personalities, especially PewDiePie, and less action and less effort being done to prevent stuff like that or at least less effort from him to kind of do things a little bit better with his notoriety with his fame with his following and stuff and i'm seeing a whole bunch of people argue and a whole bunch of people come to their defenses or a whole bunch of people try to make a statement or try to throw their name or their two cents into the hat not only just for the notoriety and for the uh, eyes on it because it's his name you know writing on his name and stuff but nobody's actually really doing anything about it nobody's really doing it making an effort to make things like that better let alone him because it's a, it's one thing to apologize and have a sincere apology. It's another thing to actually really show your actions, making an effort to do something that betters yourself and make sure that that type of stuff doesn't happen again. Because clearly, people are offended. I'm not even African-American and I'm offended. It's like, yo, you can't be doing something like that because it makes other people think it's okay. Clearly. And the way you went about it just shows that it's like you're okay being like that or saying that amongst your own circles or whatever. You could do what you want amongst your own circles. But when I feel like when you got 50 million eyes plus or 50 million plus eyes that are on you uh, and you're on a stream, you should take greater care to do better to not have something like that happen. Let alone use your fame and notoriety and your following a little bit more responsibly. I mean, again, this has been an argument and it's been a thing that's lingered over the last three or four years, ever since YouTubers started getting very, very big. Some of them just are very careless with their attitudes and very crappy with their attitudes and very careless with how they handle their following. They're not responsible like that. They think that just because they have all that following that they could have a, a, a sense, not a sense of entitlement, but a sense of, you know... I guess getting a pass in a lot of the stuff that they do. That's the best way you could put it. And a lot of people seem, just because they're big PewDiePie fans, because they feel like the context matters and stuff, are giving him a pass again on this. And I feel like it's one too many. 
I was never down when any of the stuff that happened before. I'm not down with this now. I don't think anybody should be, you know, be like, okay, like it, it's fine. He apologized. It was sincere and just move on from there. There needs to be a conversation that's had at some point. And I feel like we're starting to have that a little bit. But, you know, granted, he does something this stupid again. And I think a lot of people are going to be done with him. They're going to feel like me at that point, which they should have been a long time ago. But I digress. That's just me and how I feel about the matter. I, I don't think it was right. I don't think it was cool. And I don't think it's really it, it says something a lot about where we are right now in the state of like uh, advancing not only just as a gaming community, but as just a, a, a society of people that are, again, want our, want our pastime and want our hobby to be looked at in such a light to others that are outside of it. Things like this just knock us down a hundred steps. But I digress. That, that's just my thoughts. What do you guys think on this matter? Gary, you want to go first? Yeah. Um, I, I don't have too much to say about PewDiePie. I'm not a fan of his at all. And um, you know, we already knew he was ignorant with the with the whole uh, Nazi thing that happened. You know the um, the you know that controversy he had before. I believe it was earlier this year. Um, in this with this issue, like Mark pointed out in the chat, and you know I've heard this before. Um, it has kind of become like a, a somewhat of a ritual for you know um, people to be in a lobby in um, battlegrounds and just you know chant the word the n-word you know like that's really what people do to the point that it's become a trend within people to do it and um while i believe that you know a lot of this is you know people who are racist there are also people who are so far removed from reality that they don't understand how that word affects people um you know which is unfortunate so in the case of PewDiePie, I think it's important that, you know, people, the, the, the same people who are, you know, online um, calling for his neck, calling for his beheading and everything. I think people should just take a stand against him and, you know, stop supporting him, stop watching him, unsubscribe from him. And that's the only way, you know, you can really show the consequences of using the word like, you know, you have to make stuff like this an example because he has such a huge following. So when people see, you know, how how much this is going to affect him, maybe they'll understand that, you know, it's not a word that should be said at that point, even though they should already know. But, you know, until there's an example for them to see, you know, some people are just not, they're just going to be too ignorant to, you know, to understand. So... Yeah, that's my stance you know, on that, I think, you know. You know something? I want to add on to something that Gary said, right? Or at least, you know, that what Gary's been saying and stuff. It, this, uh, this really affects a lot of, like, how people view, again, YouTube as a platform, especially in the gaming space, since PewDiePie is really, he does Let's Plays and stuff. It, it makes it that much more harder and a lot more difficult for people that are on YouTube that don't do stuff like that, that are trying to make it into something, not just as a living, but as, you know, uh, as a means to kind of, like, you know, it really increase their creative like you know their endeavors and stuff it makes it that much more difficult because this not only scares the advertisers and people that are again the, the whole big deal with the whole youtube adpocalypse stuff that happened especially in the wake of what happened last time with pewdiepie and such a lot of people are really kind of calling out the wall street journal for stuff like this or at least the outlets that were reporting on it because they felt like it was an us versus them type of deal and i was never down with something like that I, and i saw that for a long time now again it seems like the culture of like online gaming and youtube and stuff like that really is kind of like this anti-establishment this anti uh 
website or anti-journalism, whatever else, in the wake of everything else that's been happening around in society, whether it's election, political stuff, or stuff going online with gaming and such. It's like everything just gets muddied up in the mix. And I feel like even with stuff as this bad, there's always an excuse to be like, oh, it, this is this is not that much of a big deal. People make it too much of a big deal. And I feel like, no, this is a case already multiple times where it is a big freaking deal because nobody wants to be associated with something like that. If I was a company, and I'm pretty sure a lot of companies have already done this, I would stay the hell away from PewDiePie because he becomes a liability. I know that Greg Miller and, and a couple other people have talked about this already, and they use the same uh, uh, phrasing, the same thoughts and the same ideas. It's like he's become more of a problem than anything else. You know, granted, he has a huge following and stuff, but why would a company or why would any gaming company want to be associated with that uh, when, when again, it's such a bad thing that has such a visceral reaction from people? Look at the guys from Firewatch, that developer that threatened to DMCA his uh, videos, his playthrough of Firewatch, and I don't blame him. Not only does it open up conversations about the use of that, which I feel like is another topic we should do on the co-op another time because that's a thing that's coming very soon, and a lot of people are not going to like how that's going to end up. But it starts opening that up because, again, when, you know, it's a very rocky platform, YouTube. It's a very rocky uh, uh, situation and very in a, in a position that nobody really wants to address. Everybody wants to ignore right now because people like their freedom. People like the abilities of being in the Wild West where pretty much almost anything is, is allowed. And really, it's the court of public opinion that dictates a lot of stuff. But I feel like eventually with stuff like this, especially if they happen more frequently with people like PewDiePie and other uh, YouTubers or personalities or, or e-celebrities that have such a huge following, things like that are going to change it. Everybody's going to look like shit because of it. And it's going to suck because... All that's going to do is the people that are on the outside looking in that are part of or at least fans of all these different individuals that are really causing all this bullshit and stuff is going to blame it on the people that are just reporting it or blame it on the people that are calling them out for saying like, hey, listen, this is like not cool whatsoever. Again, it's a very it's like, again, it's ignoring the real problems here. Nobody wants to address it. But again, I'm going too much on it and I'm kind of repeating myself. So but either way, Rich, you got thoughts? Yeah, well, I. I think that the both of you have already said a, a lot of details on it in terms of of how you view the situation. I I feel bad for those that are fans of PewDiePie because, hey, you know, the, the people that are still fans, even after all of this, it's like, uh, I, I really don't understand. But yeah, it, it definitely, what he said was wrong. It definitely gives people the impression that it's okay to say this word. Now, one thing I will say is I know on Xbox Live, not really just in PUBG, but on Xbox Live in the past, I've played many a games where a lot of people were saying that word back and forth. And I was like, yeah, this is ridiculous. This is one of the main reasons why I didn't really like playing online in the first place with Xbox and when I had the party chat functions that I had on my 360. Um, so the problem is still persists today. I feel like it's going to continue to be an issue even after, you know, all that happened with him. I think he deserved what happened with him. You know, I'm glad that the, the Firewatch developers took action. But I feel like this is an issue that is going to continue in terms of the use of that particular word and just the use of anything that, that could be uh, some form of uh, racism. Um, so I, it's, it's a very unfortunate situation. Um, but with everything that happened, with how it happened, uh, I'm glad that there were that people actually took action. I'm glad that they this developer took action against him because that needed to happen. 
but it, it, it's, it is bad, you know, and, and, and again, you go to the point of what, what you guys said, how it impacts the people who do this stuff for a living or maybe, you know, YouTube is their platform. It impacts them negatively, but, you know, anyone who looks upon gamers and they consider people like PewDiePie and a lot of other people on the web as gamers also that do have platforms similar on YouTube, well, it may make them also question this, what, you know, if these people do anything out of context. Um, so it, 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 it shines a light on a lot of issues. Uh, but I'm not happy that any of this happened in the first place. But, you know, again, I'm not a PewDiePie fan. So, but yeah, they already knew that there's something was wrong with this guy the minute he did the Nazi thing. That was just horrible. Um, so to know that it, stuff is still continuing is very discouraging. But I don't really try to really pay attention on to that stuff because... This is stuff that I think there's going to a lot of be a lot of these types of incidents are going to continue to happen. I did see the video where he did try to stop himself, almost said it again, and then he pointed out in the same video, almost said the word again. There's not really any excuse for it. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. It's a bad situation. I'm glad that uh, again people took action. And as you said, Gary, people who are fans that were offended or in any, they just need to stop supporting this guy altogether. Just don't subscribe to his videos. Don't watch any of his videos. There are plenty of other people you can watch their content if you want to. But yeah, if you really want to make a message to him, stop supporting him. And then the message will be loud and clear to him that, oh, well, I shouldn't do this because then I'll lose fans if I do it. But that's just my opinion. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, you both made great points, and um, JJ highlighted something um, you know very worrying as well that's that's happening. And you know, when when someone as big as PewDiePie, I believe at one point he was like the biggest channel or something like that. So when something like is. this happens with with okay, he still is. When something yeah. like this happens with with him specifically, um, you know, advertisers aren't going to be like you know. Oh, let's just pull all our ads from PewDiePie and stuff like that. They're going to look at YouTube specifically, and we're already in a crisis where you know channels are getting uh, less money from you know they're making less money now from all the views they accumulate and everything like that. So this just makes the problem worse. It gives the the advertisers and sponsors another you know further reason to withdraw their ads from you know channels on YouTube and everything like that. So. This hurts everyone, you know, when stuff like this happens. So you do have to kind of speak with your, you know, your subscriptions and your views. Like, just stop supporting this guy. You know, clearly he doesn't care, you know, what he does. Because this is like strike three or something now, you know. So people should just not support him anymore. And um, I think it's for... The, the better of YouTube and what YouTube is and, you know, the, the, the opportunities that YouTube has provided for people and content creators. Like, if you want to see this thing continue to uh, be able to fund people's creative works, then, you know, you should take a stand against stuff like this. So, yeah. And advertisers as well, you know, they're like, they do have some of the blame because they shouldn't target everybody because of what one person does you know they should understand that you know it's a singular it's a um, isolated incident it's just this guy you know just pull your ads from this guy and support everybody else 
Yeah, that, those are good points. That 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 is something that that'll be if they will actually take the time to evaluate uh, others and what the content they put out there. I don't really think that they've done a, a good job of that quite yet. Uh, no, you want to know why? Because with someone like PewDiePie, again for a long time, that was put at the forefront as a representative. Or at least an example of like what YouTube is and what YouTube can be. That's what they're judging the platform on. They're not going to pay attention to someone that has only a couple thousand, if not a hundred thousand subscribers, when they can get an idea of it from the guy that has fifty-three million subscribers, if not more. That's the thing. And if that's the representation that YouTube, for a while anyway, put at the forefront of their platform like that, or at least you know back then anyway, then obviously you can't really put a lot of blame on the on the advertisers for not wanting to be associated with that. Now, again, at the same time, there's a lot of other issues that get put on top of it. Again, with the way that, you know, it's not just stuff like that, like hate speech and stuff, but even like political affiliations and other things that get associated and other things that uh, companies don't want to be a part of because it impacts their brand or they won't, don't want to have their brand associated with it. It muddies up the water. That also included uh, is the copyright stuff, like I mentioned before, the DMCA stuff, which, again, we really should talk about on another co-op episode or at least do a separate podcast on it at one point because I feel like that's a big topic that will change or at least a big thing that will change uh, very, very soon at some point because eventually somebody's going to tip that domino and a whole bunch of stuff is going to happen and we're going to see either a very different YouTube or a very different landscape in our industry when it comes to the content creator, when it comes to the common community person that's not part of the games media, that's not part of the traditional media or part of the the quote-unquote establishment, the big companies and stuff like that. But regardless though, it is what it is. I think it was very stupid what he did. I think we all should condemn it for what it is. A lot of people should and, and leave it at that. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. And we and we definitely will address this other topic on an, another show. Absolutely, because I do have some things to say on that also. But uh any other thoughts before we move on to the next topic? That's all for me. Awesome. Okay, so now we're gonna talk until I guess some a little bit more positive news. You know. Yeah, some more positive news. Uh, we received the uh, August MPD's uh, information uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, first and foremost, I will go ahead and give Nintendo a round of applause because uh, the Nintendo Switch was the top-selling console in August. So, no surprises there. Uh, now I want to talk about the uh, top 10 games for August based on sales. Um, and this, of course, this is, uh, I don't really know. I, I believe it is physical sales. I don't know if they have started to consider counting digital with some publishers they do. So but we'll see. But yeah, the top 10 games for August are number 10 was Overwatch, Gary's favorite game. Uh, number nine was Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy. Uh, number eight, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered. Number seven, Mario Kart 8. Number six, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. Number five, The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the the Wild. Number four, Splatoon 2. Number three, Uncharted, The Lost Legacy. Number two, Grand Theft Auto V. Yeah, big shocker. And number one, Madden NFL 18. So I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on if you are surprised with any games that were on that list. Um, As well as, you know, if... if, uh, think that there's anything else that should have been on there that wasn't on there um I mean yes seems you know seems pretty uh accurate 
I guess. I mean, I am surprised to see uh, Rainbow Six on there, you know, so high. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I expected Agents of Mayhem to be further up as well. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it seems pretty standard to me um, for this time of year. Of course, Madden's going to top the list. Um, and I, I say this every time, but I'm still surprised that you know GTA is still so high up. But uh, I guess that's that's just going to be a thing that happens, you know, moving forward. But uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm surprised that um, Modern Warfare Remastered shot back up as well. But yeah, that'll change eventually when when Call of Duty comes out in November. I mean, again, for me, the MPDs here now aren't too too surprising. You're starting to start to see. Uh, uh, more Switch games start to appear on there, especially as the big ones start to come out. Pretty sure eventually we're going to see Mario Odyssey on there at, at one point. Again, as more Switches become available and people are buying the console and they're able to, you know, buy, purchase games like that. So it's cool. It's fine with me. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, you know, as uh, we did have, um, we did have Urban Gamer in the chat mention that Madden is still the moneymaker. 100% agree with that. And I knew that Madden was going to be number one. It's football season coming up. Yeah. So, I mean, that's probably why. <laughs> yeah, for football season, go, yeah, games are going on right now. So, um, that, that that's not a surprise. Grand Theft Auto Five, obviously, you know, Rockstar keeps going, doing an excellent job supporting the game with GTA Online. So, that's... I'll be very curious to see what it's going to be like when Red Dead Redemption comes out um, and whether or not GTA will still be on this list. You know, it may still be on the list. Maybe it'll drop down out of the top 10. But uh, I'm very curious to see what that's all about. Um, I'm glad that Uncharted The Lost Legacy was number three because I was hoping it was going to be high on the list. So I'm glad it was where it's at right now. That that's That's fantastic. The game is great. Uh, as I said in my review, uh, it definitely proves that you don't you don't need Nathan Drake to have a good Uncharted game. So I think uh, Naughty Dog should be commended on that game. Uh, and if you still haven't played it, uh, you definitely need to make time to play it when when possible. Um, and just as Mr. Lugo mentioned with a lot of the Nintendo titles, yeah, Mario Mario Kart Eight, good to see that on the list. Splatoon Two, good to see that on the list. Um, and of course, Legend of Zelda is still on there, which I am surprised. Because that game came out back in March, so I'm glad that these games are still doing well. Um, it's it's great to see overall. Uh, one last thing I will say, uh, as Gary mentioned with Ages of Mayhem, that was number 16 on the list. Was surprised that it wasn't higher, um, but I guess because this isn't a Saints Row game, I mean it takes place in the same universe, but it's not a Saints Row game, so a lot of people don't really know what the game is. They don't really. I mean, if this is a new IP, you know, and people don't really know it or care about it as much as they want to, or maybe they should. So therefore, it didn't really do as well on this list. Um, the game does have some issues, so I can understand why it wasn't higher. And I think it, it, it where it's at, it's it's fine for me. But, uh, you know, definitely interesting that it wasn't higher on the list. But, uh, yeah, overall, a great, great time for software. Uh, I think uh, September MPDs, obviously we know Destiny 2 had massive sales because there was a story that came out about that uh, about two days ago. Uh, so I expect that to be the top selling game next month. Uh, if not, it, it, it may be Madden again. NBA is also going to be on the list because that's a game a lot of people always pick up. You know, and you see when you look at this list right now, 
NBA 2K17 was still on this list at number 19. So 2K18 will be on the list next month. No doubt about that. Um, but yeah, I'm very curious to see what other games will be on the September list. Uh, we'll just have to stay tuned for that information. But that's pretty much it on MPDs, uh, unless you guys have anything else you wanted to, to say. No, nothing from uh, me. No, not really. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's go ahead and now let's talk about the main topic for this week. Uh, as I said earlier, you know, there wasn't really too many news stories because I don't know, for whatever reason, news is a little bit dead right now. But this, to me, is a big, big topic to discuss because I was very surprised when I saw this. You know, obviously, Nintendo had their Nintendo Direct this past week. And they revealed more information about games coming to the Nintendo 3DS as well as the, the Switch. Um, and a few things that were that I saw that stood out in that presentation, obviously Bethesda, they they are going to be sending a lot of their games to the Switch. You know, we know that Doom is coming out this holiday season for Switch, and Wolfenstein 2: The New Colossus is coming out in 2018. Um. In addition to that, we also found out more information about Super Mario Odyssey, which looks like one of the best that is going to be, without a doubt, the major, major game this holiday season for Nintendo. And I would say I'll be very curious to see which other games are going to draw as much attention as that, because I don't think it will be that many. But I don't know yet. But we got more details on that. We also saw this other game that uh, Square Enix is working on that's coming exclusively to the Switch. So with that said... We wanted to have a discussion today about does it look as though Nintendo is starting to get over with the third-party support once again, starting to have more success with it. Um, I have some thoughts on this, but before I say my thoughts, uh, Mr. Lugo, how about you share your thoughts on a lot of the, 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 the Nintendo Direct and specifically the third-party titles now coming to the Switch? Uh, it was a decent Nintendo Direct. I mean, it didn't have a lot of crazy, crazy news for first-party stuff. There were some interesting surprises there. A lot of people were hoping and they were almost expecting for Smash Brothers to be announced, and we didn't get that. And it's fine. I don't think it makes it a bad Direct whatsoever. I think it is a very big deal that Doom and uh, Wolfenstein are coming to the Switch as far as third-party games are concerned. It's funny enough, I was talking about this with someone not too long ago. About a week and change ago, I actually wrote a feature for Switch Player Magazine saying for Doom to be one of the games to come to the Switch. So I was like, you know what? I called it. Like, it was pretty crazy, you know, luckily for me for the timing of that. But I, I like that it's coming now. Don't get me wrong. Uh, the first thing that pops up to mind besides, you know, obviously the same stuff that's going on with Skyrim, that visually it's not going to be as, uh, you know, good looking compared to the other consoles, especially the PC version on the Switch. But it does tell you something about getting those types of games on the Nintendo Switch and be able to play them on the go. Because that means that if those work out well, especially if they sell well, this will show other third party developers that their type of experiences can't be done on the Nintendo Switch and can't be done even if you have to kind of cut corners here and there. I mean, getting Wolfenstein, which is a brand new freaking game coming out next year uh, around the same time as it's going to be on other consoles on the Nintendo Switch. That's a big deal. That that shows that Bethesda has some good amount of confidence in the Nintendo Switch. It'd be interesting to see if that if those do well, right? Does EA go a little bit more all in? Because remember, they have other games. They have like their FIFA game and they have other stuff going on with it. And the same thing with 2K. But then what about getting a Star Wars Battlefront? Or what about getting any of the other big 2K experiences on the go on the Nintendo Switch? What if there's another Borderlands that's announced at some point and we start getting that? 
You know what I mean? Like there, there's things that if these work out well, especially if they work out very well, granted a few things here and there, uh, that could lead into other bigger things for third parties. Again, what and Rockstar again, LA War on the Switch is a big deal, even though it's an older game like that. Uh, it's still a Rockstar game coming to the Nintendo Switch. What if Red Dead Redemption 2 is able to be brought to the Switch? What if, like, you know, the next GTA or other GTA spinoff games or GTAs get ported over to the Nintendo Switch? That's a full GTA game or a full-fledged Rockstar game on the go with you, besides being able to play it at home. That's a pretty cool, uh, was it? That's a pretty cool deal if you think about it. Now... The first party stuff, I will say again, getting more details about Super Mario Odyssey, getting more details about Fire Emblem Warriors and everything else that's coming to the Switch and the Nintendo 3DS. That was cool for the Nintendo Direct. I think it was a good deal for as far as uh, all the different news that we got there. I'm hoping that TGS, since it's coming up now, even though Nintendo doesn't really have a huge presence at TGS, we start to get some more info about other stuff happening with the Japanese side of stuff, you know, for Nintendo. And that will hopefully lead to other territories as well. But I think that maybe next year after the holidays is when we start to get more of the bigger uh crazier more uh big surprises for the nintendo switch or just nintendo games in general leading into e3 next year i mean obviously i don't think we're going to get any more details of like a metroid prime 4 or anything of the sort like that anytime soon but it, again as of right now nintendo switch is looking good it's starting to pick up a lot more steam than what it had when it first launched out uh and the same thing also we should mention there were some other details that came out about the nintendo switch online uh was it uh online app as well as also the online uh capabilities for you know for playing games like splatoon 2 or anything else that you're going to play on the nintendo switch i'd be very curious to see if doom still has the multiplayer on nintendo switch because i know it's not going to have the level editor that was in the previous uh versions of the game it'd be very interesting to see like how that works out especially on the nintendo ecosystem with online play and such but either way those are my thoughts on it that's a good point i didn't hear anything about this online stuff so I'm curious to see whether or not that actually is going to to come out as well. Um, we'll see. Uh, Gary, did you have any thoughts on uh, what's going on with Nintendo and the third parties? Yeah, um, so, you know, the, the Switch tops the MPDs for, you know, um, hardware. Uh, so it, it shows that the system is in demand. And I think a lot of publishers are starting to see that. And, you know, numbers talk all the time when it comes to business. So I think a lot of um, publishers are starting to say, okay, the numbers are are here on, on the Switch now. So maybe we should start putting some of our software titles on the Switch. And that's a great thing because, you know, um, the Switch or, well, Nintendo products in general, they have... Um, they have this stigma attached to them where, you know, people are expecting, you know, uh, more family friendly games and stuff. And they're not really used to seeing, you know, uh, more mature games and games that are a bit more extreme and have violence and, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, of course, there, there have been those types of games on the systems before, but like, you know, it's not as, as much as on, you know, PlayStation and Xbox and PC. So I think now that we're starting to see games like Doom and um, Wolfenstein being included on the Switch, I think that, you know, that opens the door for a lot of other, you know, games to, to come out for the system. And I think if these games do well in, in terms of sales, you know, also um, Eleanor as well, if all these games do well in terms of the sales on the Switch, I think we'll get to a point where um, a lot of new games are starting to appear 
on um, the Switch from third parties. So you won't have to wait for the Switch version. It will come out the same day as everything else, you know, like for the PlayStation and, and the Xbox version. And once we see that, I think that's when um, Switch is going to be in a real sweet spot because it will show that, you know, they do have support from the third party publishers moving forward. And if they're able to maintain the level of sales that they're getting now, I think we're we're going to see Nintendo be dominant again in, you know, in the gaming industry. It might even get to the level of the Wii at some point because we know Pokemon is coming too. For the Switch um, and other big titles, you know, Mario Odyssey, and um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more down the line. Uh, Metroid as well. So yeah, we, I think we we could potentially be seeing um, the the level of hype that the Wii had for the Switch, you know, if this continues. So I think Nintendo are in a really good spot right now, and this was unexpected as well. Like I think a lot of people doubted the Switch, and I was one of them as well. I wanted the Switch to do well, but I, I was doubting it based on what happened with the Wii U. Um, because, you know, with the Wii U, they was trying to get third-party support in the beginning, but it didn't work out for them. And that hurt the, the platform significantly. So, you know, now that um, they're actually, you know, getting a good number of sales for the Switch and third-party publishers are starting to support them more and more, I think we're in for a treat when it, in terms of you know Nintendo moving forward. So, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, so l- l- let me just start off by saying that, um, yeah, I also did doubt the Switch initially when it first came out because I looked at the the launch lineup and I was like, okay, so Zelda, Zelda's a, a big game. You know, I'm not saying that it's not a big game, but I, I had said before, you know, when I saw Mario Odyssey for the first time, I said, you know, that was a launch game for Switch. That, to me, I think would have been the better direction to go in or to releasing it close to then. But I said that before I actually saw all the other stuff that was coming and then we went to E3 they had that E that E three direct that I thought was was fantastic. You know, obviously, some people were very skeptical because they saw Metroid said it was in development. We didn't see any gameplay footage, and then with Pokemon, they said it's coming, but they of course there was nothing to show at that time. But still, they showed a lot more games. You know, of course, the Fire Emblem Warriors game, which is coming out next month. Um, you have uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which they also showed, which is coming out later this year. I think it's coming out in December. And then you have Mario. So all of that stuff was information that we learned about at E3. And then, of course, we saw a little bit more information at this particular show. I do agree with JJ. It wasn't a massive show. I wasn't expecting it to be like a lot of major reveals. But still, the Wolfenstein stuff is a big deal. I tried to emphasize that to people it's a big deal. You know, when we heard about LA Noir coming to Switch, we was like, well, that's very interesting. You know, the game is really, really old, but that's still interesting that it is even coming there. But I think now knowing that Wolfenstein is coming and Doom, you know, granted that Wolfenstein is coming to consoles in October uh, and then Switch, it's not coming till 2018. You know, they didn't provide any date as of yet, but just to know that it's coming to the, to the devices is, is excellent. Um, I agree with Gary that if it gets to a day where all this stuff launches at the same time on console, that'll be fantastic. I know that NBA 2K18 is on Switch now, but I don't really know what the difference is between that version 
in the actual version on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Um, but I will say again that it's, it's just great to see the Switch has, has so many things that are working well for it now. And then in 2018, like I said, we don't really know. Obviously, we don't really know if that Pokemon game is coming out next year. I know they said that the goal was to release it next year. I don't know if that's going to happen. No, you that ain't know. happening. That is not happening. That's not coming for a long time. <laughs> that's, that's I don't actually, uh, what? Go ahead, Gary. What do you say? <laughs> I, I don't think they said that planning to release it next year. I think they said we're, we're going to hear about it. No, they said, well, they're working on it. That's the difference. They're working okay. on it. So we could not hear about that for like all of next year. And I, I think that'll be fine because not only do we have big games now, we have big games coming over the horizon that they said they're working on already at this point. I mean, at least we got a logo for a game that's already in development besides the, us being told by one of the heads of the Pokemon company that they're working on something. So I don't think it really matters at this point if they don't say anything about it. Talk to us and tell us something when you have something to show. That I think is the better mindset with everything. Absolutely. So that's to be determined. Uh, we do know that, uh, well, supposedly, you know, Travis Strikes Again will be out sometime next year. I don't know if that may change also um, because it is in heavy development right now. But I, the, the point is that they, they, there are a lot of games that are coming to the device to know that Square Enix is working on a game that is exclusive to the Switch also is a big deal. I don't know if it's a game that I will be into. I know that there's a demo out there now that, you know, I will have to try at some point. But uh, just to know that it is picking up some third-party support is great. Obviously, with Bethesda, you know, we, we do have to mention this, though. With Bethesda, you know, we're going to have to see how these games perform on the system. I think that it's, that is what a lot of people are going to wait to see, how these games actually perform, meaning the actual performance and what is the differences between the Switch version and the console version because that will tell you whether or not this is something that can actually work out because, I, I, I mean, when I heard Wolfenstein, I, I was floored with that announcement. I mean, I thought it was great for Switch owners, but I still am skeptical how this is going to work. So, obviously, we'll need to see how it's going to work, but um, just to know that it's getting third-party support is great. Definitely way, way better than the Wii U. Because Wii U, I don't recall that getting hardly any third-party support. So this system is already off to a much better start than that. So I'm happy for Nintendo. Um, and I'm very curious to see what's going to happen. One other quick question I did want to ask, though. Uh, since we are talking about third parties and the fact that, you know, Nintendo, we know that they have some third-party games that are some third-party exclusives on, on coming to the Switch. We also know that there are some third-party the games that you can also say are on PlayStation 4. I wanted to ask the question, do you any of you guys know what is going on with Microsoft's third-party titles? If those titles are even in existence, because I know of the first-party studios, but I haven't heard anything about any third-party titles that may be coming specifically to Xbox One. So I just wanted to ask if you guys had any thoughts on what's going on with Microsoft in that situation. Well, we know about stuff from E3, from the games that they showed, both first-party and third-party stuff. But even then, like, again, I, I just don't think there's really much to talk about now at this point. Who knows? Maybe after all the events, after, like, after this year, as we lead into next year, maybe we'll start to hear more, especially as we get closer to next year's E3. But who knows at this point? Right now, there isn't a whole lot to really talk about big stuff happening with Xbox One other than EX, other than that. And again, like games like Anthem that are over the horizon. 
So, and, and that's not even third party. That, oh no, that is third party, correct? Right? That's not exclusive. That's not first party. That's a that's an exclusive, but it's a it's done by a what is it? It's done by um by Bioware, right? Anthem. Yeah, yeah it's, it, that's coming to everything. That's yeah, it's coming to everything. So, so yeah, it's like again, there, it, there's really not much to talk about right now with, with them, but I think eventually it will be. Who knows? Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm very curious because I, I, you know, I'm not trying to, I, and I just want to clarify, I'm not trying to bash Microsoft, but when I see that you have games like Yakuza, these, this is only on PlayStation Four. You have this other game the Square Enix announced is only coming to Switch. So I want to know what is Microsoft's future for the plan in terms of trying to get those types of titles on their system. Not the same games. I'm talking about specific games for that system. So that's why I asked that question. But I'm not really throwing any shade at Microsoft. You know, the X is going to do well. I, I still may end up getting the X. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get it at launch. But uh, I just wanted to ask that question because I haven't really, when I look through a list of the titles they have, I didn't really see anything third party, just the first party support. So, uh, uh, so Gary, uh, what, what was you going to say on, on this matter? Uh, well, I mean, of course, you know, unfortunately for Microsoft, they are probably considered, you know, to be in last place by uh, a lot of people at this point. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I guess it's a priority thing where publishers are now going to prioritize PS4 and the Switch because, you know, those are like currently the two, um, platforms that are battling for the top spot, I guess. Um, and we kind of have to wait and see what the Xbox One X does. You know, obviously it's not out yet. So, um, it could change a lot, you know, if, the X suddenly comes out and it sells a lot like that could put Microsoft back in the game and you might start to see you know more um, exclusives being announced for you know the Xbox and more third party you know uh, launch exclusives or whatever they want to call it you know we could start to see a lot more of that happen for the Xbox One X but it's at, at this point it's just a waiting game but um, yeah things are looking a bit bleak right now but Things were also looking bleak for the for Nintendo, you know, before mm -hmm. the Switch came out. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen? It's, it's it's hard to fully predict what will happen and what the future holds. Um, Microsoft does have a chance to turn things around. So, you know, I'm not going to count them out completely at this point. But yeah, at the moment, I think they're just kind of, um, you know, they're in that last spot. So they're they're, they're not going to get as much love from the publishers moving forward until that changes yeah absolutely now it made it made perfect sense like you said it, it can change you know we'll obviously see what happens down down the horizon um but yeah i mean overall i'm just glad that uh nintendo is doing well with third-party support i know some people will look at well some people maybe think that the wolfenstein stuff wasn't a big deal to me it is a big deal you know i'm a wolfenstein fan but obviously you know everyone has their own opinions but uh very curious to see what happens with Nintendo, but I'm happy for them that they're doing well. They have all these titles that are coming. So definitely looking forward to checking out what happens with them as well as Sony and Microsoft moving forward. But, um, yeah, I think that's, uh, pretty much all I had to say on the matter. Did you guys have any final thoughts before we, uh, wrap up the show? I'm all good. Okay. Gary. Yeah, I'm all good. All right, so oh, uh, there was um, 
there was one thing I wanted to draw attention to, but it's a, it's a separate topic. So, was you going to say anything more? Oh no, go ahead. Let, let's see what this this topic is. Yeah. So, real quick, I mean, there's not too much we can really talk about with this topic. It's just something I wanted to um, highlight in case people missed it. But um, you know, the the co-director for Last of Us and Uncharted Four. Uh, yeah. uh, has left Naughty Dog and you know I, like we've been seeing a lot of um, peculiar things happen with Naughty Dog like people have been leaving changing to different companies and stuff like that and um, supposedly like um, Uncharted 4 was uh, there was a lot of behind the scenes um, I guess like tension and frustration with, with the development of that game so, you know, I just hope that everything is good within Naughty Dog and I hope that, um, you know, this won't affect Last of Us 2 or, you know, any other games they have planned for the future. But, um, you know, we, we've seen a lot of talent leave the company um, and I, I'm just wondering, you know, what effect that will have. But you guys got any thoughts on that? Uh, I, I do have something to say real quick and then I'll let Mr. Google say something if he wants to. Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I did see the story about... Uh, you know, Jason Schreier's book came out uh, talking about Uncharted, mentioning, you know, so alluding to what could have happened with the Amy Henning situation uh, and the fact that she did not comment on it. But they basically were saying that she had a different vision for the game, uh, which I, I mean, I mean, I don't know if there's anyone that still hasn't played Uncharted 4. So I don't want to spoil any details, but if you haven't played Uncharted 4 yet, I'll be very surprised. But she just had a different way of how she viewed uh Nathan Drake's uh, brother in the game um, and that was going to be a totally different from what they had so they obviously wanted to change all that information up so yeah I mean I I mean personally in my opinion I thought Uncharted 4 was, was I thought it was a good game but if you was to ask me which Uncharted I enjoyed the most it hands down Uncharted 2 I enjoyed the most uh, but that's just my opinion but Going back to what you was asking about what's going on with The Last of Us 2, I know that uh, Bruce Straley has been with the company for almost 20 years. Um, he did say that he is going to be have more to talk about in the future. He doesn't have any immediate plans now, but obviously if he is going to work somewhere else, he is going to make an announcement about that later. I'm curious to see what where he goes from here because I have no idea where he could go. But it does this make me concerned about The Last of Us Part Two? I I don't I don't think so because, uh, you know we know for the most part that his other partner on this game, Neil Druckmann. I mean he is the one that came up with this story idea for the second game. So, and I know with the first game that also was a bit of a personal story for him also. So I feel as though he'll be the one to lead the charge on the game. I don't really think it's going to, to result in the, in the game being bad or anything like that. But it, it, I also do believe that the game is, is nowhere near coming close to coming out. You know, I believe that they have really only just started to do some stuff for the game. So I don't expect to see this game until maybe, maybe 2020 at the earliest. I could be wrong. Maybe it'll come before then. Who knows? But I, honestly, I don't think I think his departure. I don't think it's going to impact anything that they have going on now. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, I personally thought that the decision to go back to having Joel and Ellie and, 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 uh, and Ellie 
I thought that already was something where I, I was surprised they went in that direction because I didn't know what other else things they were going to tell beyond that. So I'm curious, but I don't think we have to worry about that game. It should be great when it comes out and everything should be unaffected, in my opinion. But Mr. Google, do you have any quick thoughts on this topic also? I don't really think there's much to say at all. I mean, other than because I haven't read the stuff in Jason's book, I actually have to do so at some point. But it doesn't seem like it was really like a bad uh, separation or anything that was like really terrible or whatnot whatsoever so it's still like somebody else says something that could be alluding to whatever happened over there whether it was with amy or anybody else over at the studio i think it's fine i mean there's really not much to really dive into yeah yeah absolutely well hey it's um as i said uh last of us part two you know it ain't coming out no time soon but uh We'll see how it turns out, but I have confidence. It'd be, it'd be very cool if we go to PSX this year and we get more details about it. I will say that about Last of Us Part 2. That would be very awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, I, we probably will get more details since it wasn't at E3, but uh, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, that, that's. I'm glad you brought that up, Gary, because I completely forgot about that. I wasn't uh, thinking about that particular story, but, yeah, that, that was something that people were talking about this week. So, good job. Um but, uh, no problem. And, and, and so, any final thoughts before we get ready to wrap up the show? That's it for me. Okay, so we thank you all for checking out this week's show. Uh, please feel free to leave your comments in the comment section if you enjoyed any of the topics that we talked about. If you have any thoughts on what we said, we, we definitely want to hear from you guys. Also want to let you know, if you have not done so already, you know, we are doing a giveaway for a new game for October. And I believe that right now on the website, you know, there is a post up uh, that it, it, it's still going on for at least a couple more days into next week. So you have time to vote if you haven't voted already. But I, I can tell you right now that based on the current votes, uh, it looks like South Park, the fractured butthole is the, it right now has the most votes. Uh, obviously, the games that you have a chance to to win, South Park, Assassin's Creed Origins, Wolfenstein 2, The Evil Within 2, Super Mario Odyssey, and Middle Earth Shadow of War. So for all you fans that are Mario fans, y'all need to hurry up and get to the site and vote immediately. You know, because I thought Mario would be the top game that uh, would be drawing the most attention. But, hey, we'll see what happens. I mean, you guys still do have until Friday this week to finalize your votes. But we will leave a link uh, in this video and, you know, of course, on the site so you guys know exactly where to vote. But thank you for all the continued support. And uh, final shout outs, uh, Mr. JJ, uh, do you have any final shout outs? Uh, yeah, just shout out to everybody that's been reading the reviews, that have been leaving comments on all our stuff, everybody in the chat. Uh, we really appreciate you guys, as well as also all our patrons. Thank you a ton for your patronage, for your guys' support. It's always appreciative. Uh, thanks to everybody else that's been, again, hitting us up on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all over the place. We really appreciate that, guys. We, uh, we love interacting with all of you, especially when we post up new content. We got some good surprises coming very soon. I know today, again, I'm working all day on my Destiny 2 review. It should hopefully be up tomorrow. 
tomorrow. Again, a lot of stuff to cover with it. It's been an ordeal to get through a lot of the stuff in this game, or at least being able to comment on everything to really look at it as a complete package. So look for that very soon. We also have some other content, hopefully coming this week, because I got a few surprises in store for you guys, especially if you've been liking the unboxing videos and other stuff that we've been posting up, both on the YouTube channel and on the website. So definitely look out for those very, very soon. But thanks a ton, everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I also would like to give a thanks to uh, the Patreon su supporters as well as everyone else who has been supporting us. Uh, we appreciate all the continued support. Uh, just to piggyback off of what Mr. Lugo said, yes, there is a lot of other content coming. I'm actually working on uh, several things at the moment. Uh, you will probably, will, we'll see a few things tomorrow by the time this episode goes up on the site. So stay tuned for that. Uh, obviously, Shadow, Shadow of War, I have a preview coming for that. There's another game I have a preview coming for. I can't really talk about because it's under embargo, but you can look for that also this week. But um, that's pretty much it from me. Again, thank you for the continued support. And Gary, uh, the floor is yours. Yep. So, of course, as always, shouts to all of our Patreon supporters. M. Collins, Sean Gorty, Stephen Ferron, Mauricio Aguilar, Himdil, Fergus Mills, Lelowin Leslie, Nicholas Alvarez, Miguel, and Mark. We appreciate all of your support. And, um, of course, you know, whenever the giveaway does go live, you guys are going to have, you know, immediate entries, you know, into uh, the contest to win the game. Um, so yeah, make sure you guys cast your votes on the post that's on the site now. And, you know, so let us know which game you want to see us give away in October. Um, and shouts to everyone who joined us in the chat today. You know, I saw Mark in there, Black Star. You know, um, shouts to the Analog Circle as well. You know, those guys have a podcast as well. So make sure you check that out. Um, and yeah, everyone else who interacted with us in the chat today, um, and held the discussion down and everything. Shouts to you guys. And, um, also Tony was in there too. So make sure you guys go listen to the throwdown and throw down your questions is on, you know, later this evening if you're in America. So yeah, definitely check that out. Um, and that's pretty much it for me. Awesome. Thanks once again, and we will talk to you all next week.